Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. Well, good morning. Aren't you glad to be at church this morning? Yeah? You might have noticed um, a couple of things that were a little bit different from the norm on your way in. At least I hope you did. If you had a chance, you saw some booths that were set up. You see some folks that are in uh, jerseys that are out there. You saw a cruise ship. Senior Saints, take notice. You need to ask them why that's there. I know we had a lot of signups for the cruise. I already had somebody say, when is the lobster? Small group Sunday. This is what uh, we want you guys to be signing up for. Um, AJ, on a regular basis, when we wrap up on a Sunday morning, uh, will say we are aware that there's a lot of life that happens between a Sunday and the following Sunday. Amen? And we're praying that one of the things that will be a part of that regular system in your life is a small group, a group of people to process the life that happens six other days out of the week. And so what we want to do on a morning like this is take a few moments and remind ourselves, not just of the value of a small group, but how they are seen in scripture and what we are asking you to participate in, uh, in the life of the church. We're not asking you just to huddle and cuddle, okay? I I know. If you'd like to uh, have a group filled with warm affection, we would encourage that, but the goal is to be around the word. There was a book that was really popular uh, in the 80s. In fact, it made the author popular before. He had just kind of been a color commentator uh, on the world. He was uh, a bit of a, a social philosopher, Robert Fulgham, and he wrote a book called Everything I Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Now, he had written a lot of other books and had a lot of other kind of statements out there that was all you really need to know about, but nobody was reading those until he wrote this. He said he learned that he needed to slow down and just write things that everybody already understood, but very few of us had lived up to. Here were some of his thoughts uh, in everything I needed to know I learned in kindergarten. He said, I learned there that you need to share everything, that you need to play fair, He said, I learned in kindergarten not to hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat. Flush. (laughs) Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Live a balanced life, learn something, think something, draw and paint and sing and dance and play and work every day a little. Take a nap at noon. (laughs) When you go out into the world, watch for traffic, hold hands, stick together. Everything I needed to know I learned in kindergarten, he said. And so that sparked in me the question, how is it that you came to learn about the Christian life? And I'd like to just present an idea really quickly before I invite up some folks uh, that are going to be a part of the invitation going out to you. There's a group of folks here that are going to be inviting you into small groups, but I'd like us to consider this thought. Everything that I needed to learn about the Christian life, I learned in a small group. All right? That's the premise. In Acts chapter 17, I'd have you turn there in your Bibles 
Acts chapter 17, I just want you to see this moment um, where there's a critical moment that is happening in the Apostle Paul's life, and here he relies on a small group to minister to him, to challenge each other, and to advance the gospel. Uh, This is a moment in the book of Acts where uh, it was imperative that the gospel continue to go forward and it was a key means that God used to push these things forward and it all started in a home with a small group of believers that were focused on the world. It was literally a transformational moment and we still talk about them to this day. This is where we find their story. Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 10, it says this, As soon as it was night, the brothers and sisters sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. Now, if you read the context in here, what's happened to Paul and Silas at this point is everywhere they've gone, they're throwing rocks, trying to put them in prison. They're harming them. Their life is in jeopardy. They don't know what to do. They've preached the gospel. People are starting to respond, and jealousy is overtaking these other groups, and they run them out of town. And it says this, upon arrival, they went into the synagogue of the Jews, The people here were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. That's where they just come from. Since they received the word with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Consequently, many of them believed, including a number of the prominent Greek women as well as the men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica found out that the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul at Berea, they came there too, agitating and upsetting the crowds. Then the brothers and sisters immediately sent Paul away to go to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed on there. Those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving instructions for Silas and Timothy to come to him as quickly as possible, they departed. Do you believe that that actually happened? Let me pray, and then I'm going to ask you just to consider a couple things, and we'll invite our guests up here. Father, we pray that you would help us as we consider this passage to consider our own role. Who are the people in our lives that will hear something that you have said, something that opposes our natural thinking, something that maybe we haven't considered before? We would see it in the word. Who are the people in our lives? This is what we're asking you to help us consider this morning, that will help drive home the word of God so that we get the point and we do your good work as a result. Help us to consider these things in Christ's name. Amen. Just a couple of things that are interesting about this passage I want you to notice. It says there that upon arrival, they went to the synagogue of the Jews. Verse 11. First of all, notice this. Wherever Paul goes, he doesn't learn anything new, right? Hey, this is how I stirred him up in the last place. Uh, The rock throwers all attend here. He goes right straight in to the heart of the place. But that word synagogue is an important one. Uh, You will see it in other places in your Bible translated as a gathering together of believers. You might have heard it this way. Do not forsake the gathering together of believers as is the habit of some. That word there, synagogue, uh, it's a small gathering quite often inside a home church where people would study the word and then apply it. He goes straight to this place where people already have access to the word of God, where they're talking about it, and it drives it home. Another thing it says is that these were more noble character, more noble-minded than those who were in Thessalonica. When we read noble, we kind of think of somebody who is regal, who maybe their chin is up and they just face the world uh, in a certain way. But this idea of noble-minded literally has the idea that they are 
open-minded, and they are willing to apply what they have heard. This is the idea, that the word of God will actually say some things. This is going to catch you off guard. It's going to say some things at times that you don't agree with. And you're going to say, I have a well-reasoned approach, but my thinking is actually conservative. It's thoughtful. And do you know that the word of God might actually hit that area in you hard? And it says they were more open-minded to the word of God and willing to apply what they had heard. They took the word of God, it impacted their life, and they allowed other people to say, no, this is what it's saying, we gotta follow it. And that noble-mindedness led them to right conclusions. Final and central, this is central to every small group that we have here, it was focused on the word. More noble-minded in character than those of Thessalonica, they received the word with eagerness and examined the scriptures to see if these things were so. They drank in the word, they heard what was said about it, and they applied it. Gary Purdy uh, writes for small groups, uh, tries to help them get going. He has five characteristics. We're not going to expound on these this week. Next week, we'll look at them a little more closely. But five characteristics that should be in a small group that we see in the Bereans and that we hope we find in groups that you're participating in. First, they're open to people from a variety of spiritual backgrounds or spiritual depths. You may come in here today and you were raised in a different denomination or a different location. You don't have to go and self-sort into a place where they all agree with you exactly the way that you think. Amen? Amen. Is there anybody sitting next to somebody that agrees with you 100% the way that you think, including your spouse? (laughs) That's impossible. It's open to those people who are thinking differently, but the centerpiece is what would God have us, coming from different backgrounds, do? Secondly, they encourage biblical discovery. The word of God is the most effective way to transform a heart, amen? Amen. The word of God and the heart of the child of God will shape your direction in the way that you think and the way that you act. Third, a small group will thrive on honesty and vulnerability. When you come into a place like this and there's a bunch of people that are here, it's easy to say hello, but not really get to know somebody. You can look at them, not know the depths of what's going on. But you know, it's really hard to rub shoulders with a small group of people for very long before they start noticing some things that might be um, needing attention. Whether it's in your marriage or your business or your just day-to-day walk, it's hard for us to be vulnerable. Small groups bring it out. Fourth, they involve investing in one another in relationships outside the group. It's not just outside the four walls of the church, but outside of the group. These folks are intended to be friends that you meet with. And finally, they're committed to multiplying. Do you want to know what happens when you're with a group of friends and you're out uh, just hanging out? The laughter, the joy, uh, the experience that you're having, other people will come around and they'll say, what is it? Where, how did you guys get to know each other? You will be attracted to that group. Small groups have great value. Amen? I'm going to ask a few folks to come up here right now. We have a team this week and a different one next week. So if you were on display, come on up right now. We have uh, Steve Dan Garens coming up here. Pete Potloff, let's give him a hand. Julie is coming up. And Joe. They're going to help us this morning not only uh, be able to identify groups that you can participate in, but say a little bit about 
Um, for some of you, you might be concerned. How would I join this group? What might be a barrier to me joining a group? Or why would I even want to join one of these small groups? We're going to ask them a few questions. And so uh, this week and next, we want to do two things. We want you to see the people that are helping to lead these areas. There's teams of people that are actually facilitating all of this. But if you have a question from this day forward and want to get plugged into a small group, these folks are over the area that I'm confident you're going to want to be a part of this morning. And so, um, do I need to go through these in order, Pete? No? Do we s- start with wherever the mic is closest? I want you to notice something this morning. Uh, we have a couple of folks that have been around for a while leading in their area with Pete and Julie. There we go. Yes, applause goes there. Great job. And... <laughs> And a couple uh, of folks that are actually new in leading their areas, but have already shown this uh, ability to draw in folks and create teams in Joe and Steve. And so, yes, thank you. There we go. I'm going to start actually with Julie. You're first on here. Julie, you, uh, you get to go first. And this is the question that has been posed to you, what would you tell a woman who is considering participating in a woman's growth group for the first time or after a long break? And would you guys just highlight what you are over? Give us a little synopsis um, and then um, answer that I question. I am over women's ministry. Okay. So um, I would say to a woman that maybe you're new and you haven't had the opportunity to be in a growth group, there, there's a place for you. Maybe you've been here for a long time and it's been a while, or maybe you never have jumped into a growth group. There's a place for you in women's ministry, in a women's small group. And maybe, um, like me, you've been a part of a small group Bible study for years and years. There's a place for you as well. And when we come together in those um, small groups with women, there's a place for authenticity, for genuine relationship to be fostered and to grow. And let me tell you, some of those times produce lifelong friendships mm-hmm. as we share together. And not, not just because it's the community, that's a really important piece, but because it's centered on God's word. And as we look into the word together, we're going to discover more about who God is, and then we're, we're going to love him more. We're going to grow in our love for him together. And we're also going to learn more about who we are And we're going to grow in that together as well. And then in that community, there's going to be a place for us to encourage each other, to spur one another on, to really walk in obedience to the things that we're learning. So I would just encourage every woman in the room, come join in. We'd love to have you be a part. There's a place for you. Yeah, that's a good challenge. Thank you, Mm -hmm. Julie. Um, Joe. Men's ministries, yeah, the question that we had posed to you is, uh, what is your desire for the men of Salem Heights as you step into leading this area? Yeah, so thinking through that question, um, brought up an experience that I just had recently, uh, a week ago, Sunday. Uh, We had the opportunity to celebrate my grandfather's 90th birthday, uh, which was a really neat clap. That's good. Yeah. 
And uh, a part of that experience, uh, he had several siblings that were able to attend as well, which was a pretty special, uh, special um, opportunity. And one of, his, uh, one of his sisters has done a lot of family research um, over the years and brought um, the family Bible from the early 1800s with uh, family names recorded for the past 150, 200 years. But tucked in that family Bible was a bulletin from the First Baptist Church of Corvallis, Oregon, Sunday, December 5th, 1926. And the top of the bulletin said this, read the Bible. It is the word of God. Let the church be a reading church a Bible-reading church. And I couldn't think of any better way to summarize what my hope is for men in men's ministry than that statement right there. The psalmist in 119 verse 14 says this, I have rejoiced in the ways of your testimonies, O Lord, as much as in all riches. Hmm. And then the New Testament author of Hebrews says this, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's piercing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Working through God's word, there's a lot of joy and rejoicing that happens, but then there's a lot of conviction and there's a lot of... Um, uh, that it takes, it takes some time to think and process yeah. and, and really examine yourself. And the thought that I had was this, men's ministry growth groups, there is no better place to have the word of God cut you deep and judge the thoughts of your intentions of your heart than shoulder to shoulder with other men of God who can encourage you and strengthen you along the way. And so my hope is that you get plugged into a men's growth group so that we can be men that read the word of God and that it changes us from the inside out as we encourage and strengthen one another in the process. So good. Yeah, that is so good. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. Steve-o. We've got you. By the way, just, uh, just to highlight, um, that was 1926 Corvallis, the home of the Beavers, right? I was just checking, just because of the jerseys that are coming off out of your group, I want to make sure that is a holiness required to be a part of that team. So yeah, Bruce is here. (laughs) Steve, what is an Oikos group and what does it do? That is a great question. Well, how many of you have ever wondered, how do I turn this huge church into a small church? How do I break into this place? Yeah, yeah. So if that's you, listen up right now. An an Oikos group, as with these groups, this is the place where you make friends. This is the place where you build relationships. This is the place where you you gather around the Word of God, making discoveries and applying them to daily life. And this is the place, as you said earlier, where we get to bless those outside the circle with all the good things that God has done in our lives. So... If you have yet to find that place, then come talk to somebody in a jersey, Beeves included, Yeah, pa- Papa Bruce. Come find somebody, uh, and, and they'll tell you that um, th- this is sort of how it works. First, you would get into a group. Most of them meet every week. Most of them have some sort of an affinity, as in maybe young married group. 
maybe a married with kids, maybe an empty nester group, something like that. You'll probably find some sort of a, of a commonality in the group. Yeah. And then it, it looks sort of like this. There'd be a time of introduction, you know, where you're, you're meeting each other, maybe some get-to-know-yous and some, some openers. But then the, really the core of the group is you'll spend time ar- around this book asking questions. Now, how does this relate to my life? Some of them are, are studying after, after sermons, right? Some of them might be studying a topic, parenting, let's say, or um, uh, career-related issues, but all focused on truths from the Word of God and how do I apply that to daily life. But then one of the things that we're hoping to emphasize in, in an even greater way this year is, all right, so how does this benefit those outside the circle? What's something we could do this week or this month that would have a, a benefit to our neighbors or to those we work with or those that are sitting in a desk right next to me in school? How could we apply this yeah. and be a blessing to the world? So if you're looking yeah. for a, a way to make this huge church small, get in a group. <laughs> it might also make the huge church huger. Yeah, friendliness is... Uh, <laughs> A foreign concept in our culture right now, isn't it? And yeah, having people that are of same heart and kind, uh, it's a pretty special invitation. So thank you. Pete, um, fundamentals, why, why do we do it? Yeah, so if you uh, are new to our church, there's another group that we have that is a great place to start. Um, perhaps at the same time as joining a men's or women's growth group or getting plugged into an Oikos group, which is what we call our small groups here. And that is our Fundamentals of the Faith class. And, and really in that class, you have the opportunity to learn really what we believe. It's a, a general kind of overview of our basic beliefs uh, that are derived from the Word of God, where we find those, why we've landed on those uh, beliefs. But it's also an opportunity for you to get to know our pastors and elders who teach the class and for us to get to know those who are new to our growing church. And so we love that opportunity to be able to sit with you uh, over several weeks. Um, That's offered uh, Tuesday nights here at the church. And it's a great time. If you have kids, you can drop them off at Cause or D6 and then come and join us. Um, It's all coordinated to start and stop at the same time so that you have a place uh, for your kids to go. And uh, we just have an opportunity to dig into God's word and learn about what we believe and why we believe it. And then also kind of see and sense our heart for this city, our heart for our people, what we feel God's calling our church to do. And then hopefully through that process, you'd be able to identify what God might be calling you to do, how he might call you to participate or serve as part of Salem Heights Church. So it's a great place. If you are new and you don't feel like you know a whole lot of people and where to start, Fundamentals of the Faith is a great place. There's plenty of room for anyone who wants to participate. And you'll actually get to meet other new families who may be asking the same thing. I don't know anybody. Who can I get connected with? Fundamentals of the Faith is a great place to start. Yeah. So those are the groups where we're highlighting this morning. And this is what we try to do on these small group Sundays is give you extra time not to run to your car and exit, all right? Um, We're asking you to go to a booth, find out about some of these uh, different groups. We really do believe this is one of the most profound ways that you can drink in the word of God with some other friends and help apply it to your life. When uh, Christina and I first came to this church, uh, our intention was we were studying to go into ministry. We wanted to be able to uh, serve 
We, I was just serving at Salem Heights at the very beginning while she was finishing up college. Um, I don't know if anybody else has had your life, uh, you know, kind of run that direction, but I didn't know that the Lord had intended for me to stay here. It was at a small group, a group of people. Uh, Scott Hunter had invited us into the group. I don't know how many of you ran into Scott first day when you came uh, to the church, but you can't miss him. This kind, uh, warm-hearted guy invited us into his home, and he said, hey, we just want you guys to come while you're checking things out. Uh, and they prayed over us. In fact, the first time that I was handed a baby was in Scott Hunter's small group, all right? I didn't know what to do. I was pretty nervous about it. It was his child though. He's like, you're not gonna break him, don't worry. And they were just passing him around the group. And then our entire group was uh, in the family way pretty quickly and we all had to stay because we couldn't, didn't have money to move. Um, they prayed over us as a group and through that small group, that conviction to be able to stay here uh, was fostered. Folks praying for us saying, we need you to think about staying in this area and having people walk with you through life. And you guys have been walking with us ever since. It all started in a small group. I'm inviting you to make sure that you plug in to a place that will help you think about what God's will is for your life as you study the word. Let's pray and then I want you to hit those booths before you go. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity we have to put you on display uh, in close contact, in small groups, in places where we can share where we're at, but also hear your will for us. Not just vent the struggles that we're having, but be able to hear from you the answers uh, that will fill up those empty places, that will meet us not only in hard times, but will shape the way we celebrate when we think things are going great. Father, it is a great place for us to uh, walk with others, to learn how to serve, to use our gifts, uh, it's a place where we foster growth, not just in ourselves, but in our family. And I pray, Father, you would help us to plug in in this way this morning. Help those that go out to be able to see the group that you have designed for them. And I pray, Father, that uh, in the years ahead, we'll be able to look at moments like this and say, that was when uh, it changed for me. That was when it came home. Uh, the opportunity to live with other people living out their Christian life, focused on the word, but in a way that transforms. So give us grace to apply it now as we go and check out these booths. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.